So I want to carry on a little bit. I, I wasn't going to do this, but I felt like I should. I want to carry on a little bit from where I left off uh, last week. Last week was Mother's Day, and Faye and I shared between us about mothers and fathers and just how seriously Jesus takes the kingdom of God. He took it so seriously that he was prepared to put those who were focused on the kingdom before those who were not, even if those who were not were his own mum and his brothers. That's all, Mark. Chapter 3 is online if you want to watch it. It's a little bit boomy, Josh. I know, I'm playing. Well done. And I also challenged the thought last week that two people will provide us with everything that we need. That our birth mum and dad are going to train us, equip us, love us, care for us, nurture us, provide for us. We have this interesting thought, I think, that your, your, your birth parents are meant to do everything for you. But I think that's a bit unrealistic. In fact, I know it's a bit unrealistic. Actually, it takes a community to raise a child. That's the reality. And um, I was talking last week about the need to widen our thoughts about who parents us in many ways. I'm going to explore it a little bit more. But also, as, as parents, we sometimes feel like we've got to be the ones to provide everything for our children. We put all the weight on ourselves to be there all. But we've just got to kind of take that away. Uh, because as mums and dads, whether of natural children or spiritual children, you have to understand that it's not all about you. It's just not all about you. It's not meant to be all about you. And it's wonderfully freeing to know that it's not all about you. Yes. And I'm so grateful to so many people who have nurtured my, my natural kids up to this point. I, I think right back when Donna, Tina and Victoria used to have the little ones. I think right back to when... Uh, the period after Andrew died and before Faye and I went together, Nigel would look after Sam every Sunday morning. I had all these people that would look after him and care for him. And, um, yeah, the toddler group. I used to be at a tech, drop some off at toddler group, and Donna or Victoria or Tina or various people would look after him. It was, it was amazing. And then, of course, uh, my kids, um, well, Heather's not here either, but Josh and Isaac went to First Steps Nursery. And then, of course, I'm so grateful that Shasti and Phil and Audrey broke new ground to start something like BCS. Because if they hadn't done that at 25, 30 years ago, whenever you started it, I don't think my kids would be like they are. I look at my kids and I go, wow, that. Because for me, you see, I'm not, I'm not as fussed about whether they reach their academic potential. I'm more fussed about whether they know they're secure, they're significant, and they've got some self esteem. That's what I'm really bothered about. So when I thought about schools, I wasn't really thinking about who had the best Ofsted report. I thought, where are they going to know where they're going to get taught the love of Jesus? Where somebody's going to put their arms around them and everything they do teach them about who they are. Which is why, of course, it's so wonderful to, be able to go to BCS. And I was thinking about it. And of course, it cost greatly. I mean, it literally nearly bankrupt us. Literally nearly bankrupt us. That's the reality of it. But I would rather be nearly bankrupt and have kids who are secure, significant, and know who they are, than the other way around. And of course, for me, I believe that the first, well, I don't believe it, it's true psychologically, the first seven years of a child's life are the most important. That's what counts for me the most. And if you can get your kids up to the age of seven to understand some key truths, then they've got a better chance further on, because they've already established and known some things. So I'm hugely grateful for all these people that have done all sorts of things. And um, it also makes my life a little bit easier because I can just go, that's oh, okay. I'm going to do my very best. But then I'm going to thank God for all these people who are going to input for grandmas now. You know, my kids now, they'll go off to grandmas and they'll tell grandma all sorts of stuff that they won't tell me. But then if grandma's worried, she'll come and tell me about it and it's all good and we pray about it. It's all wonderful. I thank God that Sam used to go to Samantha's for tea and he'd, he'd just talk to her for hours. Beautiful. 
I thank God for it. I'm not upset about it. I'm not worried about it. Ooh, he's not talking to me. Hey, as long as they're talking to somebody who I love and trust, I'm happy. I'm happy. That's why it's so wonderful to be part of a family and a community who your kids can grow up in. So, but as sons and daughters, we must understand that the two people who are natural parents are not able to give us everything we need. Some parents might be able to give us a lot, others are very little. But the wonderful thing is that God provides for all our needs. My God will meet all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And we get hung up because we've decided how God's going to provide them. So we go, God, you're going to provide this need and we think it should come from here. And then God goes, well, I didn't say that. And then we, because we're looking over here and we go, no, it should come from here, except it's just there. And all we have to do is turn around and go, oh, there it is. We've got to look a little bit wider about how God's going to meet our needs in Christ Jesus. And then, of course, Faye shared her journey of how she's received mothering and fathering from all sorts of people. And as I thought about mums and dads, I was struck that, in essence, they nurture people. That's what they do. They nurture people. And to nurture means this. It means to feed and protect, to support and encourage, to bring up, train and educate. Or as a noun, it means rearing, upbringing, training, education, development, something that nourishes food. Now, I don't know about you, but at 42, I need nourishing. And at 62, I'll need nourishing. And at 82, I'll need nourishing. I want to be nourished. I'll, I'll, what, you don't want to be fed, protected, supported, encouraged, trained and educated? I want to do that my whole life. Hopefully when I'm 82, there'll be somebody around who can do it for me. <laughs> and in Jesus' name, I'll be well enough to wear it, receive it and understand it. <laughs> yeah, but that's what mums and dads do, isn't it? That's what a true mum and dad does. They feed, protect, support, encourage, train, educate. That's why we've got to open our eyes much wider than our birth parents to see the parenting that God provides. And I, I tell people, I've probably got about 10 different... If people say, well, who, who nurtures you? I've got at least 10 different people. Of course, there's some key ones, some major ones, and then there's some minor ones, but they, 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 they support and encourage and train and educate and nourish and protect in all these various ways. So, so I can say, well, I've seen God provide from all these different people. But of course, I've also had to do some things, which we'll talk about later, to release some of that into my life. There are people who nurture you, and therefore they in some way play a parenting role in your life. And you've got, whenever I'm talking about this, you've got to think much wider. So in your, I know, for example, a teacher, and her head teacher, I know that she really nurtures it, and she sees it as that nurturing role. So there are lots of people that nurture you, whether that be in this house, whether it be in school, whether it be in college, whether it be in a work environment, in a church environment. So you've got to think wider all the time, okay? Who is it that feeds me, protects me, supports me, encourages me, trains me, educates me, nourishes me? It might just be the lady in the coffee shop who has a smile on her face and puts you in a good mood every morning. You've got to think wider. God's put people around you, but if you've got blinkers on, you won't see them. Somebody who just gives you a hug when you walk, all they do when you're walking here every Sunday morning is give you a hug. What are they doing? They're just letting you know. It's all okay. They're nurturing you. But you've got to be able to see it and thank God for it. Too many of us overlooked that which God has given us because we were so focused on where we thought we could get it. Or we dismissed it because we didn't like some aspect of the people God placed in our lives. 
Sometimes we miss the parents God gave us because they challenged how we saw the world. They disciplined us, which is a necessary part of training and educating, and we didn't like it. Others of us have missed out because we didn't understand the biblical principle that would unlock favour to flow from those God placed in our lives to nurture us. There are people in your workplace who nurture your home, college, but there is a correct response to those who nurture you in every environment that will allow favour to flow. And if you don't respond in the right way, favour doesn't flow. So first of all, you've got to see it. You've got to see it with these people who nurture me and look after me. Small ways, big ways. And then there's something you have to do to release the full flow of that favour towards you. And if you don't do it, it doesn't flow. Because we read this in Deuteronomy 5 and verse 16. Honour your father and mother. As the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The only commandment that comes with a promise. The only commandment that says, if you do this, then this happens. So this is like a principle of the universe that God set in place. The giving of honour is such a power dynamic that life actually comes back to you. So if you want to be well in the land in which the Lord your God is giving you, and if you want your days to be long, you have to live according to the process. See, tons of people want the promise, but they don't want to do the process. Though I want that promise, God. Okay, well, there's a process then. There's a process. If you treat those who nurture you in this way, there's a promise. If you add value to them, if you esteem them highly, then the promise is yours. But you've got to learn what it means to add value to them and to esteem them highly and to honour them. And again, I'm thinking about everybody. How do you honour the lady in the coffee shop that blesses you? There's a way to do it that sees favour flow. Honestly, you've got to think way wider than just, oh, it's my mum and my dad, or it's this person. Way wider. There are people all over that need, nourish you and feed you and protect you and care for you and love you. There might not be two or three right now. Okay, well, you might, you might be one. There might be one person. Okay, well, focus on that then. Focus on learning of honour and release a flow of honour, a flow of life to you. But listen, in order to understand the way honour is to flow, we have to look at Jesus. Because there is a way it flows, and it's not the same. So biblically, we're all called, Romans, I think it's 12-something, it says we're all, we're all meant to honour everybody. Honour's meant to flow between everybody. But there is a specific way honour's meant to flow towards those who nurture, and there's a specific way honour's meant to flow for those who are nurturing. It's different. It's not the same. It's different. And we see this in John in chapter 8. Uh, where are we? There we go. So this is Jesus talking, and it do, it's not very obvious at, at the start, but it will be. So Jesus says, I don't have a demon, because they, they challenge him about how he's doing something. He says, no, no, no. But I honour my father, and you dishonour me. If I honour myself, my honour's nothing. It is my father who honours me, of whom you say he is your God. So, it becomes a bit clearer when you add in the Greek, because the Greek words are different. So, I do not have the, I honour, I timeo my father. So Jesus the son, timeo is his father, which means he fixes a value on, and then he says the dishonour me. If I honour myself, my honour, doxa, same word as doxasdo, if in other words, it is nothing, it is my father who honours me, doxasdo. So, Jesus goes, I honour my father, I timeo him. It means I fix a value on him, and I esteem him highly. But the father does not do that to the son, the father doxasdo's the son, which means to render glorious. To render glorious. 
You see, the point, if you are nurturing somebody your job, whether it be, again, in a workplace, in a family environment, your babysitting, whatever it may be, your job is to render glorious that person. What does that mean? It means to let the glory of Jesus shine out of them. That's what it really means. When I think about nurturing anybody, when I think about looking after anybody, my job is to find the Jesus in them and find the bits that are not Jesus and let Jesus shine ever more beautifully and brighter. That's my job. So the son honours the father, but the father honours the son. And what's fascinating is this. If I honour myself, my honour is nothing. If I try and render myself glorious, it's nothing. If I try and make myself wonderful and glorious and try and deal with it all myself and do it all on my own, well, that's nothing because I need somebody to nurture me. I need there to be a flow from one to the other and back again. It's not enough for me to just do it on my own because then my honour's nothing. But when I do it in relationship, then it's a beautiful thing. So part of sonship and daughtership is learning to honour those who nurture us in a right way. It's about learning how to add value. And I'm going to give you some examples in a bit. And part of nurturing a fathering and mothering is about learning how to present sons and daughters glorious to the father. Isn't it beautiful? I love it. That's what we're about, presenting other people glorious to father. There you go, father. Look at the glory in this one. Oh, it's so wonderful. It's so wonderful. And of course, this isn't about hierarchy. Okay, Jesus and the Father are equal. They're completely equal, but the way they honour one another is different. There's equality, there's no hierarchy, but there's just a different way of sharing together. They have differing roles, and they honour one another differently. A son, a daughter, is always looking to add value to a mother or a father. Always looking to serve, to bless in any way they can. And a father and a mother is always looking to make a son and a daughter more glorious, to bring Jesus out of that person more and more, to see the glorious one, Jesus, be more apparent and evidence. That's what it means to parent a child. That's your job. It's not to teach them to add up. It's not to teach them to go to the toilet. It's to teach them to be more glorious. Of course, those things are helpful and you've got to do them as well. But that's not the real point. Okay? That's not the point. The point is not to get them to reach their potential academically. Although that would be wonderful. But the real point is about making them more glorious to Jesus. That's what I believe nurturing is meant to be about and fathering and mothering. And of course, if we can do all the rest as well, well, praise God. But I know which one I'd rather have if I had to choose. So, I want to show you three examples of what it might mean for us to honour those who nurture them. What might it practically mean to honour? First of all, to honour those who nurture you, you have to learn to look past their mistakes. You have to learn to look past their mistakes. This is Genesis chapter 19. The sons of Noah who went out of the ark were Shem, Ham and Japheth. Noah began to be a farmer and he planted a vineyard. Then he drank of the wine and was drunk. So in other words, he thought, I'm going to have a vineyard. Maybe it was the first time he crushed his grapes. He just thought, this is nice. He had a bit too many. And he ends up getting drunk. So he makes a mistake and becomes uncovered in his tent. Watch the response of the two different people. And Ham the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away and they did not see their father's nakedness. So Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him. Then he said, Cursed be Canaan and 
It doesn't really go well. What happens in this little passage appears to be a rather small thing, but the consequences are pretty huge. Ham becomes servant to Shem and Japheth. That's not because it's not a small thing at all, because it's about the honour of a parent. And what happens here is that a son sees a father in a state of weakness. His father's made a mistake. He's embarrassed himself. What is his reaction? Well, Ham's reaction is to go blab to somebody else. <laughs> Look what dad's done. Look what stupid dad's done. Look at him. That's his response. But the response of the other two brothers is beautiful. Because it says that they go in, they don't want to look upon the father's mistakes, so they walk backwards. And they place something over him, and they cover him up, and then they pick him up, and then they put him in his tent. That is honour right there. He's made a mistake. But they're not going to blab about it to everybody else. They're not going to choose to look on it, and they're going to cover it up. Dad already knows what he's done. He says, done it. Now we're awoke. He knew what his son had done to him, so he knew what happened. Dad didn't need telling him what he'd done wrong. Dad worked out what he'd done wrong. Dad needed caring for and protecting and honouring. And it's a big thing. Because the consequences for Hamlet, his entire line would be cursed and he'd serve his brothers and service. You see, dishonour provokes disfavour. Dishonour provokes disfavour. I know it's not really a word and I just made it up, but it just works. Dishonour provokes disfavour. Honour demands that we protect those who nurture us when they get it wrong. Because they will get it wrong. Because they are this thing called a human being. Like you. Number two, being grateful for our past. So the boys grew and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob, a mild man, dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Jacob cooked a stew. Esau came in from the field and he was weary. Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with some of that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. <coughs> but Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. Look, I'm about to die. What's it to me? Jacob said, swear it to me. So he swore to him and sold his birthright. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew. Then he ate and drank, arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. The key to understanding what happens here is that word despised. It means to disesteem, to disdain, to hold in contempt. So to honour means to add value, to highly esteem, but Esau disesteemed. His birthright was his legacy, it was his past, it was everything his dad had built for him, given him. It was his identity, it was his heritage, it was everything dad had done for him. But he chose to all his own needs before his father's legacy. More concerned about the here and the now and the current pain in today than about the 20, 30 years of dad's work and effort to build something for him. <laughs> and he chose to throw it all away because you're more concerned about today than you are about celebrating 30 years of what somebody else had sacrificed to get him where he was. He dishonoured his father by not being grateful for what his father had laid up for him. Sons and daughters honour fathers and mothers and those who nurture them when they express gratitude for the things their fathers and mothers have achieved and have sown into them. Every mother and father, both natural and spiritual, has sown something at you. Now, not all of it may have been good. It may be that only 1% of it was good. But if it was good, we need to say thank you. If it was good, we need to say thank you. 
I know that for some people that they struggle to find anything good. But whenever I've talked to anybody, they always find something that was good. Always find something. Not only should we be grateful, but we need to make sure we say thank you. Sometimes we're not good at saying thank you. But it's important we show and express our thanks practically in ways the person can receive it. So, you know, it's probably a good, a good idea to go, okay, who nurtures me then? And go, these people nurture me. And just say thank you to them. It's not difficult. Or if it's difficult, then you need somebody to pray with you. It shouldn't be difficult to say thank you because somebody's blessed you and looked after you and cared for you. It shouldn't be difficult just to say thank you. But we get so focused on the negative, we forget all the good stuff. And saying all the good stuff's really helpful because it just reminds you it's not all bad. There's some good stuff there. So if we're going to honour people, we're going to say thank you. We're going to show appreciation. Last one, number three. Willing to see issues in ourselves. 1 Samuel chapter 20 and verse 1. Then David fled from Naoth and Ramah and went and said to Jonathan, What have I done? What is my iniquity? And what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? He's been hunted like a wild animal by a whole army. Literally hunted for his life. He's hiding in caves, running away. And actually David has done nothing wrong. But his first question is, What have I done wrong? That is beautiful. He's walked with wisdom and in his gifting and anointing, and yet the one who is nurturing is desperate to kill him. How does he honour him? By first of all asking what he's done wrong. You see, when it goes, when, when it goes wrong, when things get difficult, we're very good at pointing the finger. Are we? Is anybody good at pointing the finger? Just me then. Okay, and Phil. Thanks, Phil. Appreciate that. <laughs> Phil's honest. I'm pleased for that. Thanks, Phil. Okay. This is just for you, Phil, all right? Me and you, all right? <laughs> Everybody else is more perfect than us, so they can just go home now. This ain't a putting your hand, all right? This, if, if you were in Shasta's class, you won't get asked if you've got your hand here. There's tons of guilt coming out now, and defense and all sorts. It's fascinating. So, let's get back to where we're meant to be. There was a point in putting your hand up. Um, when a relationship is strained, if you know how to honour, you look inwardly first before even considering looking outwardly. Most in fact, every relationship breakdown is because people point the finger the other way rather than looking at themselves. That's why it happens all the time. And successful relationships are built on an ability to look at yourself first. Because trust me, it's never just solely one person's fault. It might be 11 or one and one or the other. It might be six or one and half a dozen or the other. That won't make any sense, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> but it's never anybody's fault. It's never only one person's fault. And this is the thing. And the, un the other thing about it is, those moments are the moments when you learn the most. If you really want to grow, if you really want to learn, if you really want to understand what you need to change to become more like Jesus, then as soon as you get into a bit of a disagreement, all you've got to do is go, okay, God, what about me? And God will show you something, because he does every single time. That's how you grow. Part of me loves disagreements, because I grow. I mean, I'm not asking for them, so, you know, don't. <laughs> no need to come and have a fight with me. But I'm just, like, it's great. I just want to... 
It's when I grow. You see, if you combine this aspect of honour with the first one, looking past mistakes, we see that if honour really is in the heart of sons and daughters, relationships should be at last. But they don't because people don't teach this stuff and people don't know this stuff. That's the reality. I've come to understand that every time with my relationships with people, so, so take Paul. There's been a few times when I've been a little bit upset. <laughs> well, it's, you know, a few can be a lot, can't. But, <laughs> and in the early days, like yesterday, no, 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 no. In the early days, a few years ago, I'd, I'd come home and I'd, I'd, I'd often kind of whinge and moan a little bit. And Faye, being the gracious, loving, wise wife she is, would go, she'd listen and go, okay. But remember, he loves you. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> Blinking useless wife. <laughs> I don't need to redeem it, because that's, I'm just being honest with you. You all know that I think she's incredibly wonderful. But at that moment right there, part of you just wants, oh, poor you, it's terrible. Problem is, poor you, it's terrible, doesn't help, does it? Just doesn't help. We don't need, we don't need mother hens, we need mother eagles. Less clucking and more pushing. Yeah? That's what we need. If I had a word when she was like 16 that she was going to be a mother eagle and not a mother hen, don't cluck, just push them out, push them out. They'll fly. It's great, isn't it? Problem is, I get it as well. <laughs> Listen, God will use every incident in every relationship to train you up to be more like him if you will let him. If you will let him. The only way he can train you up and the only way he can show you where you need to change is if you are willing to look at yourself first. If you're willing to ask, what can I learn about me? But most people never do. They do what Ham did when his dad got drunk. Immediately tell anyone who will listen what an idiot dad is. And then they wonder why favour doesn't flow. Favour flows when we honour. Those who have been nurtured seek to add value to those who are nurturing. And those you are nurturing Seek to render them glorious before the Father, before anything else. That's the primary aim. The primary aim, before anything else. You've got to ask, am I rendering this person glorious before the Father? Am I helping Jesus come out of him more and more? And you see, when you start to genuinely honour those who nurture you, it opens and unlocks a stream of favour into your life. Honestly, I could tell story after story of favour, unexpected favour into my life. And I know it's just grown. The more I've learned to honour, the more it's learned to grow. You talk to Isaac, who uh, leads the church in America, and Paul's just come back from meeting him in Canada. Every time Paul, uh, Isaac buys and sells houses, and Isaac, Isaac understands this probably the best out of anybody that we know, doesn't he? Like, he's just, he's, he's, he gets it even better than I do. He's brilliant, right? Every time Paul goes, it's like, he just sells houses like this. Honestly, how many won it last time? Three? Four this time? Four? Yeah, last ten. What's that? It's called favour. 
He's got a father. He honours him, blesses him in every way. And of course, favour flows in all sorts of ways. Access, all sorts, just, it just flows. But, honour comes first. And then favour follows. And the more you honour, the more favour flows. Because it's a promise and it's a principle of the word. When you start to genuinely honour those who nurture you, it opens and unlocks a stream of favour into your life. Amen? Yeah. All right, shall we pray? Have we got anything else to do, Anka? Where's she gone? No? Okay, well, let's just pray then before we finish. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truths that get contained in it, Lord. And we thank you, Father, for the principles that you set, Lord, on the universe. That you said 5,000 years ago, that honour unlocks favour, Father. And Lord, we want to say sorry, Lord, when we have not recognised those who you have put in our lives to nurture us. We want to say sorry, Father, when we have not honoured those who have nurtured us, Father. And Lord, we say that we want to learn to be a people of honour, Father. We want to learn more and more and more and more, Father, to see wider and wider about who you've put in our lives. And we want to learn what it is to honour, Father. And we thank you, Lord, that as we do that with a true heart, favour gets automatically released, Lord. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus.